Hello and welcome to the Recursive Podcast. Today, I have a special pleasure to introduce Ilya Krestev, the CEO of Adata Pro, one of the first Bulgarian companies in the area of BPO and outsourcing. Under its umbrella, Ilya runs a diverse portfolio of companies in the knowledge economy. The business news provider for Southeastern Europe, CNews, the media monitoring company, Perceptica, the business platform for renewable energy, Renewables Now, and the scientific unit based on AI solutions, Identfix. Ilya is also a chairman of the Association for Innovation, Business Excellence, Services and Technology. AI Best is considered to be the voice of companies in the high-value-added business services in Bulgaria. Ilya Krstev, welcome to the Recursive Podcast. Thank you. Great introduction. <laughs> yeah, thanks to our um, our team, I was mani- I managed to to get all the things uh, in very short sentences. But can't wait for you to get me through the the whole uh, variety of uh, services that the, you and your companies are um, providing. Opening LinkedIn, I saw that thirteen and a half years you are uh, within a Data Pro. Can you tell me what led you into this, and uh, what happened for thirteen and a half years? Yeah, it's actually uh, so. I've been 13 and a half years CEO, and before that, I have already. I'm already in in A Data Pro for for more than 20 years. So uh, at the start, I was I was studying microbiology in university, mm. and uh, this this was a job I started um, in 1999 or 2000, uh, and uh, it was a job that was uh, like indexing of, uh, of news articles at that time. Uh, and that's how uh, I started working in, in the company as a so-called coder like 20 years ago. And uh, I have been through very different positions in the company in the next seven, eight years. And in the last 13 years, 13 is a, is a lucky number. So I, I didn't notice that it's 13 now, but that's good. <laughs> I love 13. 13 and a half. Awesome. How does a microbiologist become a, basically part of a company that's related more to journalists and media than to biology and science? Uh, by not becoming microbiologist. <laughs> basically, this was, I, I think, in my third year in, in university. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, to a big extent, like, changed, changed my focus. And fortunately or unfortunately, uh, I have never been able to, to do any work around microbiology. And the only, you know, the only positive uh, about that is that I have more context than a lot, than a lot of the people that are, uh, you know, uh, writing uh, in Facebook and so on, which again, might be a plus, might be a minus. I'm, I'm not sure about that as well. <laughs> Yeah, but it's a totally different field. I guess it was a student's job that turned into yeah. your lifetime calling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Actually, uh, you know, before coming to Sofia, uh, I, I had my first business and I was uh, like 17 years old. So it was a computer club in, uh, in Sliven. And uh, this was like life for around a year and a half. And uh, by doing that, it, it, it basically gave me some, some push to work and uh, to, to earn myself uh, like money, to be independent and so on and so forth. And when I came to Sofia and started studying, it was also like something that I needed to do 
uh, on top of uh, just being in university. And then this actually gave me additional opportunities that I didn't know exist in uh, in 2000. Yeah, in year 2000. And um, and I didn't look back at uh, actually continuing with the with the microbiology. The you know the the world of uh, of data was at that time more interesting. Interesting. Um, my initial qu- question that I was preparing was um, how does a microbiologist become an entrepreneur? But it seems that you became an entrepreneur because you became a microbiologist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like uh, for me, I have uh, in the last 20 years, I have uh, on top of uh, what I'm doing in ADA, the pro and uh, the company that you mentioned, I have had uh, I've had a lot of um, tries and failures. I've actually uh, I owned a restaurant at the time, like in Sofia. This didn't go well. Uh, I also I mentioned about the club. Um, uh, the computer club. Uh, I also have a, um, a business, a small business in agriculture and so on. I'm, I'm, I have invested in several companies, some successfully, some not so, so much. So this is something that is really working with people and trying different things has been, uh, has been a focus of what I'm doing in the last Mm, 13 and a half years and more <laughs> yeah. testing mm. testing different things yeah i remember a conversation that i had with um uh the founder of all channels communication uh, alexander durchev and he was telling me what uh he was very it was a very hard for him to take care of businesses outside of his main focus so how did you um manage to um get the, the sufficient energy because you are basically a CEO of all these companies that I mentioned, uh, for all more things like mm. your agricultural business or a restaurant. I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is the best way to go. Actually, the fact that I'm 20 years in this company, uh, is to a big extent because, um, it's very diverse in terms mm-hmm. of the things that, uh, that it's doing. And uh, this is an industry that is changing really fast. And uh, I don't like to stay in one place for, for, for that long in a context that is not changing. Uh, so this was something that I'm, the things that I mentioned is something that I, I was trying to do on top of what I'm actually doing because uh, I wanted to, you know, to try change. different things, to change and so on. Uh, but uh, the good thing is that uh, when it comes to our industry, and I would say that this is like in, in the case of, of the companies that I run, this is like a, the data industry because we, we cover more or less uh, the whole context of different types of data, uh, different mm-hmm. channels of actually distributing data and so on. Um, in the last 20 years, it, 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 it changed so much and it continues to change so much that you, you, it seems that you're actually doing different types of businesses each year. And this gives you the, uh, the changes and the changing context that in my case, I, I need in order to, to stay interested in what I'm doing. Yeah. One of the things that I'm, um, preparing myself to go into is the transformation from um, BPO for mm. outsourcing company to, um, a product more or less, uh, a company as what the 
the story behind mm. Adata Pro is. And it seems to me that most of the companies in the region that started as an outsourcing companies um, started trying to find ways and transforming them, transforming themselves into product companies because of the higher value that's added by the and the employees that they have. So what 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 started this process initially at your company? You know, when it, when it comes to the market in, in Bulgaria and Southeastern Europe in general, uh, actually the the value of uh, companies that uh, invested in Bulgaria and like outsourcing shared services and so on um, was uh, significant because this was a market that uh, actually didn't have the the knowledge uh, when it comes to doing international business, when it comes to a lot of the soft and hard skills that are connected with different types of of, uh, services and so on. So this was an investment that uh, could not be done by uh, the educational system because it was not prepared to to make this leap. And I would say it's still not prepared, but that's that's another story. Um, so, uh, the companies, uh, that, that, that started in early 2000, um, were started because there were, uh, enough people like bright people that didn't have a place to, to work. Uh, and, uh, it was a region that was in terms of price or cost, it was really catching up and, uh, it was a lot more efficient compared to other markets. And uh, there was, this was a big boost for uh, for the economy and for uh, for the employment in Bulgaria when it comes to like languages, tech skills, and so on. At a later stage, this was actually positive for the whole economy because, as I mentioned, this to uh, to a big extent at, at that time and even at the moment, uh, this is uh, sometimes um, a set of companies or an industry that uh, uh, substitutes education. Uh, and uh, for these people, there are like two two ways to develop. One is in these companies themselves, uh, but also uh, these are people that can be very valuable for the economy in general. And these are still companies that create uh, that type of resource for the for the economy that in that scale um, cannot be you know mm. cannot be found uh, found in the uh, in the educational system. We cannot like import these people or something like that. Uh, so this is like uh, some some background on uh, on my opinion on the uh, on the value of, of this industry and how it it, it impacted the uh, the local economy. Um, at a certain uh, stage, of course, a lot of these companies were trying to refocus uh, what they do and how they do it. Uh, so basically, after getting enough uh, know-how in the areas that uh, they were working with in. Mm-hmm. As uh, in our case, with uh, we were at that time working with Reuters and uh, on several big projects, and this was actually the start of uh, uh, the evolution of uh, uh, of news and information globally. So at that time, they were like uh, the news were not coming in a, on a website or something like that. They were coming on on an FTP folder. <laughs> And uh, things of that sort. There was an exe file that uh, that actually loaded the articles, um, and uh, we were really lucky that we managed to work with with the biggest company on, companies on the on the global market at that time because uh, this gives uh, g- gave us the opportunity to go with them through this evolution. 
And uh, by doing that, uh, we actually managed to, mm -hmm. to get all that know-how that I would say that very few companies worldwide have. Um, and after that, this was a prerequisite for us to, on top of the services that we provide, to, to start trying to actually use this know-how to create new companies, to create new products and so on. Again, in some of these cases, this is, you know, this has been successful in others was terribly unsuccessful, but that's, that's also okay. Um, and uh, for the whole market, uh, another push, of course, for the transformation from outsourcing to like higher added value services or products uh, is cost and again, and know-how because for this market with now better people, better trained people and higher costs, you don't have uh, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, efficiency when it comes to low-end BPO, which is mm -hmm. now actually out of the market when it comes to Bulgaria. I see. So if I understood you correctly, basically the outsourcing companies were uh, hands-on education for people that had no actually skills that were relevant to the job market. And then uh, the opportunity to work with companies that are big in the global market, like yours with Reuters that you mentioned, um, opened the door for the possibilities and the opportunities that were there. What was the, the first thing that tipped the scale when you, you, you decided to try and was the first one the, success, the most successful one or it was like files and errors? If I have to be honest, I don't remember the, mm. the, first, the first try because we, had, we have so many tries and we continue to have uh, a lot of tries. So now we have a very broad uh, bottom line when it comes to, you know, potential pro projects or products that we can do. And even now, because it's the end of the year and we are planning for the next year, and we are actually trying to be more conservative when it comes to the number of things that we want to try for the next year. And uh, this is the bigger issue compared to actually new ideas and so on. But um, the transformation is uh, rather uh, on strategic level is, is more connected with uh, actually what is your strategy as a company or a set of companies going forward, but not this strategy that says, you know, in five years, we want to have that type of product because I don't necessarily believe in that because in our industry, I don't believe that uh, this is possible for such long stretches mm -hmm. of time, just because what we talked about, I mean, things are changing really fast and you either adapt to that and, and try to be faster or Drop you know, out. you're out of the business. <laughs> what we're trying to do is rather to create in five years with this company, we want to be in a particular place that is more connected to the way people think than to the products that are connected with this company. So basically, uh, as I mentioned, we have a very broad uh, know-how for the whole data industry globally. And, um, and the perspective is that uh, if we have enough entrepreneurial spirit internally, uh, and we have an organization that can adapt fast to what, 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 what the changes are uh, in, in the industry, we'll be able to think of products and services um that are relevant to our client base so uh and the focus has been more have been more on that and the efforts 
have been more focused on that. And we are trying to, you know, to, to think of uh, our idea of the organization uh, that we want to be in three years in terms of this particular uh, type of thinking rather than uh, the product that we want to be or we want to create in three or five mm. years. So again, this is this is not always working in the best way, just because in, in some cases, if you are more focused on a, on a particular product, uh, you're, you know, it's like you increase revenue, find customers and so on, and you're ready to sell it and get out of, of the business. In my case, uh, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. I mean, I'm not interested in selling the business. I'm not interested in, in, yeah. in, in, in having a particular success with one single thing. I'm more interested in what is the, uh, what is the ecosystem that you create around you? And by doing that, what is the maximum number of people that can be successful around this ecosystem? and the know-how that you have gathered how you can use it in the best way and help other people succeed as well and uh and yeah and again sometimes this this works other times it doesn't but uh as a way of thinking we have uh we have decided that this is our mm. our way of thinking when it comes to how we do business so would this um be a useful advice Uh, for other companies that are willing to change the, their strategy towards um, creating a service with a high, higher value or a product to be focusing on developing their human capital and the way that uh, personnel thinks and mm -hmm. develops as skills and uh, knowledge? Not always. Yeah. But no, I mean, in general, yeah, if you don't <laughs> develop your human capital, you are, you know uh you're not developing anything but you know one of the issues that we have in terms of the organization that we are is that we are really diverse mm -hmm. and uh this is uh this is an issue uh because when you are so diverse uh the priorities are are changing or you cannot prioritize one or two things so basically this reflects the bottom line financially Um, what it does though is, uh, is connected to what I mentioned about the entrepreneur spirit to be spread around more people. Mm -hmm. So what it does is create opportunities for, for different people to use what you have created or the, the base that you have and try to do things with, with it. Uh, it takes more time. Uh, and, uh, it's for sure, uh, you make more mistakes. Uh, but you are more actually, you know, when it comes to big uh, collapses, when it comes to collapses in the economy and so on and so forth, you are, you have a safety belt, mm. belt when it comes to, you know, all the things that you're doing. And then some of these things are going down, others are going up. Also, it gives opportunity for the people to be in the organization for, for longer because it gives them uh, a different perspective to a business that uh, they are in and different types of things that they can do. They can be journalists, they can be researchers, they can be, uh, they can be, they can do R and D, they can, they can go, do a lot of things. Uh, and, uh, by that way, you're actually, uh, making sure that at least you create opportunities for people to stay with you longer 
And by doing that, you actually bring value to the organization because you're 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 keeping a skill set that you develop internally for for, mm. for longer. Awesome. Yeah, I, I was about to ask about the um, diversity of people that you have. Mm. You have people in, um, as far as I've heard, uh, even working in Asia, mm. and you also this is worldwide, but you also have. Offices, uh, of course, outside Sofia, uh, and the most recent one is in Burgas that you opened during uh, COVID uh, pandemic times, which is like so bold. So, how how do you first of all how do you manage to get aboard people with such a different uh, different cultural uh, backgrounds as like Asians and not only mm. and Bulgarians and like Southeastern Europeans? Mm. And second question would be why would you decide to expand offices in other cities outside Sofia? Uh, so w- when it comes to the diversity and people working in, uh, in different uh, continents, so we, we, we basically have people in, in Latin America, in Asia, e- everywhere, more or less. We have a lot of people in, in Southeastern Europe. Uh, we have people in Macedonia, for example. This is also, um, yeah, but um, you know what we have we have seen as uh, an industry and economy in the last year and a half uh with people working from home and uh being able to like work from anywhere actually uh with us this has been something that we we, we have been doing for years and uh before COVID, like something like 30 40 percent of our people were anyway working from wherever um and uh, when it comes to the services and products that we create, uh, one of the challenges is that for a lot of the clients that we have, we have uh, uh, we have the need to have 24 7 uh, operations, or we need to have some specific know-how for the local markets and so on. And you know, it it hasn't been that hard for us to actually uh, hire and. Um, and manage and work with people from uh, from different from different regions. Uh, I don't know how this is with with other companies, but this hasn't been a challenge for us organizationally or in terms of culture and so on. We have a lot of initiatives that are uh, trying to you know to make people communicate and 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 keep them in in one loop at least. Uh, so this this so far has been uh, working quite well. When it comes to offices outside of uh, of Sofia, uh, this is this has two. Um, uh, there are two purposes uh, for that. One is uh, obviously, of course, to have better uh, access to uh, to people. Uh, but uh, if I has to be honest, not so much. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. Bulgaria is really small. And uh, you don't need to have, uh, as we have now, four, four or five, five offices. So we have uh, Plovdiv, uh, Veliktornovo, Burgas, Vratza, and Sofia. Okay. So, uh, and again, this is too much diversification in a, mo- in a small market when it comes to actually, you know, costs and organizational logistics for, uh, and a lot of these markets are really not, not that big not big at all. Uh, the idea here, though, is uh, that uh, I don't believe that the economy in Bulgaria can be successful with uh, with having like one center as Sofia and everything else is just 
uh, secondary. And uh, this is something that we're doing in the association as well. Mm -hmm. uh, in order to have, uh, to have people that are willing to stay in Bulgaria, work, work in Bulgaria, develop in Bulgaria, live with their families in Bulgaria, um, we have to make sure that we create other ecosystems uh, outside of Sofia. And this is something, can, uh, sometimes this is connected more with uh, an investment than a business opportunity. Uh, and that's what we are trying to do because without companies investing in these uh, other locations, uh, what happens is that these people either go directly to Sofia or actually go directly abroad in many of these cases. And uh, obviously, this is not, you know, the best yeah. that Bulgaria can do. So we are trying to create these local ecosystems together with startups, with other big companies and so on, and make sure that these people stay there and work there, communicate between, between themselves, yeah. uh, create companies and so on. And this is a chance for the local uh, yeah. economists to, you know, to try to, pro to prosper. And, uh, and we have to be part of that. So yeah, this is not, you know, not purely business initiative. It's also something that is uh, on the on the side of um, on the society. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like Thank trying to help and to give back. Giving back, yeah. yeah. I recently had a conversation with Vasil Terziev, and he said, um, "Paying forward is great, mm. but giving back." is when you are already like leading and you have this success behind you and you can give back to your community where you started from in the current example was about um for example sms bump and uh, mm. Mishu who is from dobrich and amazing and uh it sounds like a mission-centric uh organization uh that you are developing in the last uh 13 and a half leader, uh, years as a ceo um one thing that i would like to mention here is uh, because you already mentioned education, you mentioned the, the country outside of uh, the capital. So you have programs with the Sofia University uh, in regards to um, probably changing the, the way that education is being delivered to these young people that are, should be driving our future forward and the whole, whole region. We, we are actually, we have one with, we have a program with Sofia University, mm -hmm. we have one with uh, the University in Plovdiv, and we are actually, we, we should be starting one with the, um, the University in Velikotron mm -hmm. as well. And, uh, you know, there, when it comes to education and this relationship between business and, uh, and education, um, there, I mean, everybody is talking about, about that. And, um, uh, on the practical side, it's really hard to, uh, <laughs> for businesses and, uh, uh, educational, uh, uh, and education to, to catch up with the speed that things are changing. Because, I mean, we, we discussed speed several times already. Um, but, uh, uh, what we are trying to do, of course, is, is to impact the system in, in, in the way we can, both with, um, universities, but, but also with schools. Uh, we are supporting different types of training in schools, the associations, not only ours, but, uh, like other associations as well are actively participating in, uh, things like, uh, software, um, software trainings in the schools together with teachers and so on. But the, um, the fact is though, that, uh, before education change, uh, changes, um, we have more pressing issues as companies. 
and uh, and what we do as companies is uh, educate people ourselves. And basically, there is uh, a big like um, uh, there is uh, at one at, on one side you have a system that is hard to to change. And if you change it, it will take a long time to actually see the result of that change. Uh, on the other side, you have businesses that need change right away. And uh, because this system is not really um, you know, willing to change, uh, businesses have invested more and more in actually creating, as you know, like training centers, internal educational systems, and so on and so forth. And I'm afraid that um, this actually, to a bit, to a certain extent, have um, we are at a, uh, we are at the point where businesses are less willing to participate in changing the system just because of the efforts and time that that that, that this needs. And now, when we are talking about how education and business should be working together, and so on and so forth. To a big extent, this is just uh, words in, in a lot of these cases. And businesses uh, are now at the point where they're really more willing to invest themselves in things that they control compared to uh, invest in a system that they don't control and that the system that don't, is not willing to change and to adapt to what's happening globally. And this is actually the end result of all that is also the fact that um, a lot of the young people after uh, getting to 16, 17 years old, they're just leaving Bulgaria. And this, mm. this, this will be the biggest uh, issue that we are facing both as businesses, but as a nation. And obviously uh, having two universities or three uh, after what was the, the last one, like uh, we had three universities after 1,200 place in the global scoring for universities yeah uh it's it's it, it, it's not something that we can be proud of and it's not something that can can keep young people in bulgaria absolutely i do agree on this and um i have a favorite saying in english is uh all talk and no walk mm. unfortunately which is something that the business um the government maybe doesn't care at, like as much but the business do care because for better business, for higher value mm. added businesses, we need higher value added people. Mm. And, um, and thank you very much for like your, your work with the universities, because I think this is the way forward. Um, we already mentioned AI best as a organization here in Bulgaria as an association, but you're also developing a, a very strong brand, uh, also on the Balkan on, in the Balkan region, not only in Bulgaria. So, um, what can we learn from our neighbors in regards to innovation and uh, their lessons um, that we probably need to learn? Mm. Uh, so you, you know, it's like for, for us one of the one of the challenges that that, that we see as, as as business is that these markets that we work in, when it comes to the Balkans, are really small markets. Uh, if you, if you, mm. of course, maybe Romania in yeah. terms of, you know, how big the others are, but in general, we are very small. And, uh, this is, this is something that, uh, 
when it comes to investors coming into the region or resources that we work with, when it comes to technological transfer and, and, and things of that sort, um, it's challenging. So what we're trying to do as an association is to consider this, this, this market as one market. So basically when it's communicated, when uh, you have uh, a network that is structured in the way that it can share resources, it can do technological transfer, it can share educational uh, opportunities and so on, and it is promoted as one market. Uh, if you compare it how how politicians are actually uh, dealing with this with this region, uh, we should be able to to give it another uh, another reputation because historically the Balkans are not, are not with with great reputation when it comes to uh, yeah what's happening what is actually happening at the moment as well mm. uh, so what we are trying to do is like. Um, bypass the political things and uh and create an ecosystem for the whole region uh that can be considered as uh, as one market um these are small markets that obviously uh, how big they are is not their case link point but uh the fact that uh, uh they are small and very different between themselves gives a diversity that is uh uh not so commonly met in in europe just because again history different types mm -hmm. of uh, yeah so uh and uh, this is something that is interested and interesting and can be used in uh, in actually how the whole ecosystem can work together and we can we can uh, use the uh, the positive um, examples from from all these countries um we are seeing now that uh, more companies from bulgaria are trying to set up operations in in other countries in the on the balkans and we are also seeing that bulgaria is uh is considered like uh, an entry point to the uh, to the balkans again this is uh, an opportunity that is not so well used by the politicians mm -hmm. But uh, I believe that businesses can can make a difference, and uh, we can we can be a door to the region, and Sofia can be a center of of that region. And uh, when it comes to investments, but also partnerships, actually selling on the local market, hopefully at at one point as well. Uh, and uh, we are putting in a lot of efforts in that. We are actually organizing in April. We are organizing. A conference for the region for the region here in Sofia that can be that will be like a starting point for the next mm. for the next stage of how we uh, how we perceive the region when it comes to this to this industry. Awesome! Another mission in yeah. your in your portfolio. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, how how do you how do you manage to to handle? These are amazing causes and, and, and missions, as I, I previously stated, but how did you manage to take care of yourself? Because our current season is about work-life balance. You have so many things in mind and so many companies and the AI best and the universities, and you're also on the board of uh, a University of Velikotarno. So um, how do you manage to take care of yourself as a company? <laughs> Uh, I don't always manage to. Uh, so, so basically, you know, one of, one of the things that I, I, I try to do is, uh, and uh, this is one of the reasons that I uh, have this small agriculture business, mm -hmm. is that a lot of the things that we are talking about, uh, you cannot see them. So these are things that are just 
pass by. I mean, information, education, I mean, it's all great, but you cannot touch that. You cannot see it grow. It, it's not physical. And uh, I use like the agriculture uh, business. It, it's more like a, a balancing, balancing act when it comes to how sane you are and how you actually can feel it and see it grow. And uh, you can actually associate yourself with something that is uh, that is visible and uh, that you can you can manage in a, in, in a time period. And this keeps you on the ground and, and helps a lot when, you know, in order to keep your sanity when it comes to all the things that uh, you want to do. Uh, and the other thing is that, you know, I, I, I not always I'm able to actually balance all that. And the end result is, as in business, is, is not uh, satisfactory sometimes. And then you have to have like balances like that that you can use to to keep you afloat. So I'm not the best example for um, for this type of balance. Uh, I'm trying to you know to use like uh, bypassing acts in order to uh, to stay in balance, but uh, it's not always working. Yeah. So I'm yet to learn what is the best way about that. Awesome. Uh, yet. Yeah. I have I have a saying that nothing is more motivating than seeing results and uh, what you described in the ag agricultural business. Um, to me, as the way you're describing it, sounds like a hobby, more mm -hmm. of a, a business yep. as, a, as something with a with an impact. It just has an impact on you, which is probably what's sufficient yep. for you. Uh, can you tell me a bit more about this? What what, what kind of agriculture do you do? Um, it's, uh, so the idea is to do like, to be a sustainable agriculture. Mm -hmm. I have, uh, I have a sheep farm in, in Kotel and, uh, I have some land, uh, in, uh, close to Sliven. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, uh, this is something that it, it, it's high in the, it, Koto is not so high, but it's in the mountain and uh, there is nothing around. So basically you are, you are alone in the mountain with, with these animals. And, um, and then for me, when it started, it was, when it started, it was an idea for business. Uh, but also it was, uh, the idea was to be a business that is sustainable and that is different from keeping animals at a close farm and mm. you know and uh giving them whatever you give them uh because again when it comes to health and uh how we treat agriculture and food this is not uh this is not why what i what i believe in uh so it was like a uh, try to actually invest in what i believe in from one side and uh, try to do a business from uh, from another side. Uh, trying to do a business died with the time. And it's more like, uh, as you said, it's more like a hobby and uh, sometimes something that you can you can attach yourself to and and say, you know, it's like uh, put your money where your yeah. your mouth is. And it goes for education and everything that we described, but it goes for other, other things as well. And this is one of the examples It's like, you can at least preach it by showing that you are investing in things like that. Oh, I was about to ask, um, 
are there lessons that you learned from this agricultural endeavor that uh, helped you in your business life? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, obviously the people that you work with when it comes to agriculture, uh, are quite different compared to, uh, mm-hmm. the people that you work with in, in the other businesses. And, uh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> business intelligence and like mm-hmm. farming. And, yeah. <laughs> and so, so it's like, uh, you know, things are a lot more simpler. And, uh, and what I've learned is that, uh, years ago, I, I, I was not listening to people so much as, uh, I'm trying to now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I would say that one of the reasons for that is this business as well, because these people, when you give your full attention to them, you can, uh, you can actually, this is the way that, that they get motivated. It's not your input. It's rather your, your attention. Uh, these are people that want to share with you, uh, their like concerns. And, uh, these are people that for, for them, like totally different things are important. Like their cow is now sick and it's like the family that they have and they want to share. And, um, and you listening is the most important them, uh, thing for them. And when it comes to, uh, to, you know, the other businesses and, uh, the way we manage these businesses, sometimes we forget that listening is, uh, is a key part of managing. And, uh, this is, this is something that I have learned from, from the, from the agriculture business. Yeah. I do believe in this as well, because, um, I have a saying that the, 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 in the relationship, the family, mm. the, the, there's a currency there. It's called attention as well. So, um, last week I had a conversation with, uh, I had a talk, uh, talking about how to understand others better. And, uh, my, my, my point was listening to them without waiting for them to finish so we can say whatever we wanted to say. And someone uh, jumped in with a question, but how about me? I want to say something. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. keeping the ego in check is, uh, and re- being reminded by such a, a simple, simpler way of life is amazing example that you're giving us today. Thank you. If you, if you're looking back on like uh, connecting the dots as Steve Jobs said, looking back towards the way that you started as a, as a leader, um, how did these years help you change your path towards the person that you are now listening more and mm. um, keeping your sane because of uh, things outside the business? Mm. One of the things is, is control or rather lack of control. So, so basically, well, you know, starting in, 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 in this type of, of roles, I was like uh, a lot like control, control freak when it comes to what's happening, how it's happening and so on and so forth. And, uh, the good thing about doing so many things is that, um, whether you want it to or not, you cannot control everything. Uh, so this gradually changed me in, in terms of, uh, you know, understanding other people and actually trying to let go of control. Uh, again, this is not something that happens every time. And some of the things that uh, are with top priority at, at, at a particular moment, I try to be more involved and so on. 
but um, this has has changed me in the last like seven eight years because with with so so diversified uh, portfolio of, of things that uh, that I'm doing uh, at a certain point you know it like you decide that the most important thing is to give opportunity rather to, than take control and uh, and leave and you know and live with 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 with, with what happens next this is something that uh, you know it's funny because uh, uh in a lot of the a, a lot of times people say that um they're okay with letting go of control and so on but they're not okay with with, with what, what happens next what are the results of letting go of control and uh and very often these results are not pretty but they're part of the whole process uh and actually one of the challenges for me is what was um to be okay with with what with what happens next and not to blame it on other people but just to you know to say that if this is your way of thinking and you're trying to create an organization that is uh about at least to, to a big extent letting mm -hmm. go of control um you have a lot of you know issues with that and this would take would take time but uh it's 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 valid for the business but it's valid for other things as well for mm. everything more you know it's like mm. it's everywhere with our personal lives and so on i really ad admire this way of thinking of, of leaders um giving the opportunity or giving the um putting your trust into someone that is really willing to do something and uh, just letting them do it so they can own it because not not owning it and micromanaging it mm. it always leads to results that you're expecting and sometimes this might be might lead you to like even better results um but it's, it's for me it was rare to find leaders that that do that and i'm more than happy to see that they're more and more talking about like servant mm. leadership and supporting others that command and control organizations um that's great um what you you were talking about this delegation uh are there specific qualities within the people that you tend to um pull into the organization or invite uh, to become part of the organization that you're really admiring and looking uh, looking for when hiring and searching for talent yeah one, one one is the uh um one of the things that uh we have we have mentioned multiple times now is uh uh the fact that um the business that we work with well in is changing really fast and basically um for people that are not willing to change this is a, is a big issue uh, what we are seeing is that if you're not changing your 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 processes or just breaking down the whole process and starting from scratch uh i have seen like numerous times uh in which if you don't do that you're actually losing the business and we have lost a lot of business because of of not changing uh, or adapting fast so uh when it comes to uh to people uh, people that are willing to change as as a start 
uh, is something that is really crucial in organizations uh, like that. Um, because if they are not, you know, it's like there's so many uh, ways in which people are blocking changes, are 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 willing to to sacrifice success uh, just to make sure that they don't change, that mm -hmm. they are they are safe, that um, they know the processes that they are doing, and everything's fine because uh, the client is is, yeah. is happy and so on but this is like in sports if you're doing the the same thing the same way you you cannot you know you cannot expect that you'll get better and a lot of people are doing other things while you're doing the same the same thing over all over and over again and uh it's it's a struggle and i can totally understand that not not everyone is willing to change mm. all the time because i'm not talking about you know let's change this and then stay like that for like two or three years. No, I'm talking about let's change this and change it again in three months. And uh, and this is this is not easy. Uh, but this is uh, one of the things that are, I uh, appreciate and I look for when uh, when I'm working with uh, with people. We've all heard the stories about Kodak and Nokia mm. and uh, not willing to, to change. So um, is there a way that you check this? Is there a question that you ask or situation that you put the people into to, to get the sense of how are they, are they really willing? Because it's easy when someone mm. uh, sits in front of you and says, are you willing to change? Of course, always willing to change. But uh, how do you get a sense of if the person's really you know when it, talk. yeah when, when it comes to hiring people it's one thing when it comes to uh, internal people it's another yeah. so when when it comes to hiring people you're right i mean it, it, it's it's not something that you can you can get to in an interview with uh, with questions mm. um the thing here is that uh the fact that the when it comes to bulgaria yeah the fact that the market is small has its uh, disadvantages but has some advantages as well and uh, and they're connected with uh, the fact that people know each other and more or less know the organizations that uh, that are on the market. And you more or less know what is the culture of these organizations and so on. So there are things that um, you know you can extract or you can you can you can you can ask uh, the, the person mm -hmm. sitting in front of you if you have enough context mm -hmm. that can lead you in uh in believing or not uh whether he or she uh is uh is willing to to make uh, to make frequent changes when it comes to internal people uh it's just you know it's it's it, it it's from practice yeah and uh and what i um the, the some of the mistakes that i have done is that um uh in some of these cases i have waited for uh for much longer than uh, uh the normal for people to change because there are a certain point when uh if you wait for for too long this is actually affecting a lot of other people as well and uh it's not about a particular person but it's about the culture and all the people that are working with this mm -hmm. person so there is again there is some balance there where you should be ready to to do you know more um 
more crucial measures when uh, when you see that something is not happening uh, fast enough or changing fast enough. I've read a story about a company that um, that you work with, and you had around fifty people working on it, and you found a way to optimize the, the mm. process, and you had to. Um, there's always this way of mm. like not changing, keeping the process it is, uh, and someone else getting the business mm. when they found this uh, new new way, new approach. So can you, can you briefly share this story mm. as we are approaching the end of our interview uh, about what, they, because it takes like massive amounts of balls to like, get a business for 50, me, of 50 people getting uh, hundreds and thousands of uh, dollars or euro in, in revenue and then totally and switching the way that this product is, this, this service is being delivered mm. to automa uh, automatization and then repurposing the people throughout uh, the company in different, uh, one way or another. Uh, you, you know, it's like what, what we are seeing now for the economy, I'll mm -hmm. make it mm -hmm. just a brief, mm -hmm. uh, like uh, longer in terms of explanation. So basically what we are seeing now in terms of uh, how the economy works is that uh, uh, there are obviously a lot of, uh, of money in the system. Mm -hmm. And uh, these are really cheap money. Uh, so you have so many startups that are um investing a lot in technology but also in marketing and so on and um and, and what happens is that with a lot of these uh, uh manual more manual processes uh you have now you're challenged by all the startups that are trying to uh to change the way business is done uh, but you also uh, are challenged by uh, actually pushing the price by, by other locations and so on. So you are squeezed more or less between these two. On top of that, we are now seeing in the last several years a lot of uh, emergency acquisitions activity on the market. So basically, the, uh, when it comes to huge organizations, they have buying power that is totally different compared to smaller ones. So when you're when you're basically uh, negotiating with a company like with several billion euro in um, in revenue and uh, tens of thousands of people, uh, this company can negotiate with in parallel with 100, 200 other companies at the same moment. And at one point, it's not about the number of people that you have and the way that you're doing things. It's about to what extent you're actually uh, trying to convince your client if things can be done in a better way, because what I when I look at the organization and the things that we are doing is I'm thinking about what are, what is the interest of uh, of the client, and not what is my interest, what is the interest of the people that work in the company, because I know that this is a very standard saying that you know people are the focus and so on. They are, but it starts with the client and uh, what you're you're trying to sell to that client and what we're trying to, to do so it, it 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 turns into more like a consult consulting work where your work is to convince the client that the thing that he's getting now can be done in a different way 
and then you're actually not a, a company that sells a product or a service to a client, but you're a consultant that is way, that is trying to find the best way that the client proceed with this product or service. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and when you, you come to that, you get out of the idea that what you're currently doing is so important, you know? You, 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 you're focused, of course, on the idea that you have to keep these people, engage them in, in other things that are more valuable for them. Uh, but what you're doing at the moment is not important. I mean, uh, this is also something that I'm, I'm trying to do with a lot of the things that, 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 that mm. we are doing as companies. Uh, it's not about uh, it's not about the the product. It's not about the people. It's about it's about the client and the way you actually change everything around the around the client. And of course, by doing that, use the people and and bring them, train them, and so on, and give them opportunities. But um, uh, forget that uh, you have some uh, connection with a product, with a service, and so on. This is not this is not important. You can close. You should be able to close it down any any minute, regardless of how how much you have invested in that. Because you are investing in the client, you are not investing in the product. Awesome! Oh, wow. Uh, what a way uh, to finish our our conversation today. And I'll go for the last question. Uh, uh, Ilya, um, what would you like to be remembered for? Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure that I want to be remembered for something. I mean, it's like, I don't know. Mm, maybe by the people that stay after me in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, things that we're doing and, and, and so on. I, uh, I don't want to be the focus of, uh, of whatever it is, it's it's like I'm I'm tr- I'm trying to to get out of that, not not to be a focus of, of of what's happening. So I don't want to be remembered. What an amazing answer! Thank you so much, um, Ilya Krestov, the CEO of A Data Pro, was our guest today. Thank you for being with the Recursive Podcast this year. Um, thank you for being with the Recursive Podcast yet again, and uh, see you next week. Thank you, Ilya, for being here. Thank you. Next episode of the Recursive Podcast, Irina meets with the serial entrepreneur and angel investor Grégoire Vigroux, a Frenchman whose entrepreneurial journey is tightly tied to Romania. <laughs> anyway, those, those three kids uh, that I love so much start asking me questions about what I do and say, Daddy, what do you do at work? When I have a business dinner, for example, I, I, I come late and in the next day say, we didn't see you last night. Where were you? What were you doing? When I'm explaining to my three kids what I do at work, again, am I going to tell them about a bibda? Again, am I going to tell them about a pitch deck? Am I going to tell them about a business plan? No, I want to tell them about the impact. I want to tell them, you know what, Daddy launched a refurbished smartphone company because producing a new smartphone is a catastrophe for the environment. And if you are just as passionate about innovation as we are, hit subscribe for the Recursive Podcast on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. We're everywhere.